Well, if it's weird, I don't want to, but I mean, is it long? Well, just give us the overall what God, God speaks to him. He goes, he trucks all over the nation and, and he's, he's, there's a prophetic gift there. I just was curious. Speak up so everybody can hear. He's not the only trucker that hears from God, but you know, there's. Um, it was nine twelve at one twenty in the morning in St. Louis. I kept hearing the words Elijah moment, um, and then uh, he, God reminded me of something that He had showed me before about the lighthouse with the pillar of fire coming up. Where and, was uh, that at? Was that here? Yeah, that was here that I seen okay. that one. But then he reminded me of that, and then he, he said to me, he said, Elijah moment, I tell you that this is the season. The Elijah mantle never dies, for Elijah never died. His anointing lives because he never died, and I will, ne- or, and will never experience death, for I took him as I took Enoch. Uh, Elijah's anointing I placed on him will continue until the very end, which is upon you. The same as Elijah came declaring and preparing the way for the coming of the Lord Jesus, so one and the same anointing is upon you uh, to make straight the way for the Lord. Not only were you made for such a time as this, but you are in the final season of the age. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. My spirit will be poured out like never before. You will see things like never before, but let no corruption dwell in you. For as my spirit falls like never before, so will uh, the false saints. The book of Acts uh, Results requires books of, book of Acts commitment. Examine yourself. Prepare your hearts to see me manifest. Lift up your eyes and see. The time is now. Be ready. The book of Acts results. Finish that statement. The book of Acts results. Think about that. You want to see miracles? You want to see signs and wonders? Then you need to get committed. Amen. I want to spend a few minutes and then we've been talking on the fivefold ministry gift. What else have we been talking about the last few weeks on Wednesday nights? Old wineskins. How many of you are old wineskins? Let me see your hands if you're an old wineskin. Let me see the hands if you're trying to work towards a new wineskin with your attitude. Amen. And your thinking. Praise God. You know, uh, I want to pastor new wineskins. I want to be a new wineskin. But the heart, you know, the, the longer you go, and Caleb, my oldest, you know, he, progressive commercials. I don't, I don't want us to be a progressive commercial here at Harvest Church. If you haven't seen those, you need to watch them. We said God is restructuring his church for the end time outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We said this will require change on our part individually as believers and corporately as a church body. So you and I have to change individually. We've got to change the way we think, our attitudes. We have to expand our vision for what God wants to do. And then this church corporately is going to have to change. Amen. It's not that we aren't doing good things for the kingdom of God, but we can do better. How many of you think... We individually we can do better and corporately we can do better. Look in your Bibles to Luke chapter 5. 
Luke chapter 5. Grandpa, keep that baby quiet. We'll see how good you are. Give him some of that Culver's cream, huh? Luke chapter 5. Verse 36, it says, Then he spoke a parable to them. No one puts a piece from a new garment on an old one. Otherwise, the new makes a tear. Also, the piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. No one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled, and the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins, and both are preserved. No one having drunk old wine immediately desires new, for he says the old is better. Well, we're, we're going to pursue the new. And folks, it's, it's not going to happen overnight. With all that's gone on the last few years, we had expectations that, you know, something really grand and was, was going to happen and boom, it would all be done. And it didn't work out that way, did it? But God is, is working on His remnant people, getting us ready, and it takes time. And we need to realize that. I'm not going to have you turn there, but we, we talked about the fivefold ministry gifts. What are they? Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. We said there can be no mighty spiritual awakening in our day without a great shaking of our church, organizations, leaders, and structures. One of the major changes will have to do with the full operation of what we call the fivefold ministry gifts. The apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. The church will never reach its fullness nor any form of unity until all five ministry gifts are functioning together in the body. So that's why people cry out they want to have unity in the church. It's never going to happen till the five-fold ministry gifts are working together. We've seen it the last couple decades. We've seen the prophet. We've seen some apostolic things happen, uh, moving uh, on the teaching, the teachers. And uh, But in these last days, it's going to take all five. Every five-fold gift is unique and will operate uniquely. Amen to that. The apostle is defined as a sent one. A true apostle is a minister sent by God to accomplish a specific work. We said there were kind, different kinds of apostles. We said there's church planting apostles who plant, appoint leaders, and then they move on. There's governmental apostles who stay with the work and expand the kingdom through various ministries locally. Then there are number three, there are apostles with a specific message. How about Kenneth Hagin? What was his specific message? Faith. Okay. Without an apostle, you'll have a self-centered Tunnel vision church. Here's some characteristics of apostles. They're visionary. They see the big picture. They equip leadership. They're kingdom minded. They set the church in proper order. They're very, very, they're put together and wired. They want to see order, divine order in the church. They lay a foundation. Who else, what other gift lays a foundation? Besides the apostle. Prophet. Okay. And then also... We said that the apostles are spiritual fathers. The signs of apostle. And, and I, th- I thought this was interesting because Jeff Rogers, I told you, was, the, was an example of an apostle that was sent to Africa. A missionary has done a wonderful work. We support him. And, but one of the greatest signs of an apostle is patience. 
perseverance. Hanging in there. Yeah, other sign, or there's signs and wonders and mighty deeds, but apostles overall, the first sign is they persevere. They don't quit. They're patient. There are individuals that might be under a heavy load, but they refuse to quit and they stay committed. Amen? Amen. Now, I'm going to give you some new material. I'm going to read it to you. It's, I won't be able to probably read it all because I want to take a few minutes. We want to pray. But this is interesting about, uh, oh, where's my other book? There it is. An Apostolic Church. And this author says, what, well, let me read from the beginning. And she quotes Acts 13, verse 1. It says, now in the church that was in Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, Manan, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Here we see that Paul and Barnabas, along with John Mark, had spent some time in Antioch with other prophets and teachers. The Holy Spirit moved upon them to enter a time of prayer and fasting before the Lord. It was in this atmosphere that the prophetic word came forth from the brethren to send out Paul and Barnabas on their missionary journey. The Antioch church had been established by those who scattered after the persecution resulting from Stephen's death. At this point in their development, they became ascending church. Paul and Barnabas later returned to Antioch, stayed there teaching and preaching for a time. The Holy Spirit moved on Paul to go back to the cities where they'd preached to to strengthen them. When Barnabas wanted to take John Mark, who had deserted them on the first mission, contention arose. And eventually two missionary parties went out. Barnabas and John Mark as one team and Paul and Silas as the other. Now, do you remember what happened? Did the Apostle Paul take back John Mark eventually? Yes, he did. Today's apostolic churches would be like the Antioch church, which served as a home base. They equip, commission, send out, receive and refresh, and send out again. All of this is done with fasting, prayer, and prophetic direction. Stagnation finds no opportunity to settle in such a place because there's always a flow of people, of gifts going out and coming in. Then she says, what does an apostolic church look like? An apostolic church is full of power. It boldly bears witness to Jesus, just as the early church did. The Holy Spirit confirmed their word with signs following. An apostolic church is flourishing with prophetic worship, prophetic intercession, prophetic words of insight, strategy, and encouragement. And and now listen, an apostolic apostolic church is not run by a board. How many churches are run by boards? Who makes up the board? Fivefold ministry gifts? No. It's led by the presbytery made up of the fivefold ministry. Apostles, prophets, and teachers will be in the forefront. What's been in the forefront the last couple of years specifically? What? The prophet. So the next one you'll see the apostle. 
Apostolic leadership raises up more leadership and releases it for kingdom expansion. Pastors will operate among the sheep, giving pastoral care. Evangelists will reach out to the lost in the community and raise up others who have a heart for outreach to the lost. As growth comes, they'll train harvesting teams. It is an ever-growing, ever-increasing, ever-expanding work. An apostolic church is a sending church. An apostolic church is not looking for someone or something to come under. The local church was intended by God to be autonomous, led by the apostles, prophets, and teachers. These naturally seek out other ministers with the same call and anointings for fellowship and sharpening, but it is a horizontal relationship, not a vertical one. If apostolic leadership is removed to some other city or location, then those who are leaders in the local congregations will be without leadership and mentoring. It leaves the prophet without an avenue for prophetic ministry because pastors do not, do not know what to do with prophets. <laughs> It leaves the teachers without avenues for teaching. Prophets and teachers were never placed by God under pastors, but alongside apostles. Then she quotes Mark 2, which 22, it says, No one, which I've read, no one puts new wine into old wineskins or else the new wineskins burst. The wine is spilled, the wineskins are ruined, but new wine must be put into new wineskins. Churches and cities, now listen carefully, churches and cities have heard prophecies for years and are still waiting for the fulfillment of those prophecies. This city has had prophecies. I can go back because I've got them all. This church has received prophecies. Amen? Why do those prophecies go unfulfilled? Could it be that churches cannot enter the destiny of prophetic fulfillment until they step up to a, a higher level in the spirit? See, that's what we're endeavoring to do. God is endeavoring to pull us up as a church body higher in the realm of the Spirit. And it's, sometimes it's like a yo-yo. Some people want to go and some, some people don't know where they want to go. And, but we're coming up. I said we're coming up. We're coming up to another level. Often the current wineskin is not capable of capable of facilitating the vision. The fulfillment will require apostolic vision and leadership. God is not going to just sovereignly come down and fulfill the prophecy. Those prophecies are the possibilities that God sets before us. Until the church accepts apostolic reformation, they will live with unfulfilled dreams. That's kind of a sobering thought. Until the church accepts apostolic reformation, they will live with unfulfilled dreams. So you can receive a prophecy. The church can receive a prophecy. You can receive an individual prophecy. But if you don't hold on to that prophecy and declare and decree a thing, it's not going to come to pass. God's not going to wave a magic wand over this church or over you. We have a part to play in this. A past, now listen, because this is what I want you to catch. And I almost didn't know if I should do this, but I'm going to do it because it might rattle some of your cages. A pastoral model of ministry cannot build. A pastoral model of ministry cannot build. It cannot pioneer. 
It stays with the sheep. It does not go out exploring. Compare this to the difference between a home buyer and a developer. A home buyer is just looking for a place for their family to be secure and happy. The developer conceived the whole village where all families could live, cross paths, enjoy parks and common facilities. He saw the whole thing with all its varied aspects and needs, Oral Roberts. Does that sound like Oral Roberts? Prophecy has to have framework or a blueprint. Prophecy is like hope. It is something seen and anticipated. Hope is the blueprint for faith. Then faith is the action that moves toward hope. One can dream about a beautiful home, but there's no genuine hope until a blueprint is drawn. That hope then begins to be fulfilled as contractors are hired and work begins. Apostles get the blueprints for kingdom expansion. Prophecies about that expansion are just dreams without an architect or draftsman. That's why apostolic leadership is needed for the fulfillment of prophetic destinies. These are two. I've been studying these two books, and they're so good. Let me just pick some of this out here. Let me challenge a commonly accepted idea deeply rooted in the minds of most Protestant churchgoers. How many of you were Protestant churchgoers? We all were at one point. A typical North American Christian who visits a church today tries immediately to find out who the pastor is. The accepted pattern of organization for the local church is to have a pastor at the head with the congregation involved under him in varying degrees. However, this pattern is foreign to the New Testament. Now listen. Nowhere in the Bible can we find a pastor leading a congregation. In in fact, the word pastor is used as a noun only once in the entire New Testament, and that's in Ephesians 4.11 where you have the fivefold ministry gifts. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. In that passage, we are shown that the pastor is part of a team for the equipping of saints. The pastor is not the head of that team, but is placed forth in the listing. Where then did most of us get our understanding of what a pastor is from the Bible? I challenge that idea because there's not a single person called a pastor in the New Testament. In contrast, there are 22 apostles and many prophets. Our preconceived idea is too easily cloud our understanding of the Bible. Since most Christians think of a pastor as the person who runs the local church, they have a difficult time recognizing any other organizational organizational structure in the New Testament. For example, in Acts 15, we see many elders gathering at Jerusalem to discuss certain doctrines. At that meeting, James seems to be presiding. And he voices the final judgment in Acts 15, verse 13 through 19. Some Christians have looked at this passage, including me, and jumped to the conclusion that James, therefore, must have been the pastor over the church at Jerusalem. In reality, James was an apostle. For Paul wrote in Galatians 1.19, But I did not see any other of the apostles except James, the Lord's brother. We see here that an apostle headed up the church at Jerusalem and not a pastor. See, d- bottom line That's all America really basically, the church in America understands is the pastor. The church has a pastor. They can't get beyond the pastor. 
They don't recognize the apostle, the prophet. They will sometimes have real, you know, receive the evangelist and, of course, the teacher. But it's always the pastor as the head of the church. Um, any other or another example of our, how our modern conception of the church limits our understanding of the New Testament wineskin is the way we look at Timothy. Now, this is good, too. Many Bible teachers today refer to First and Second Timothy, along with Titus, as the pastoral epistles. And they, and they interpret the writings as if Paul was writing to the pastor, to Pastor Timothy. Consequently, all the instructions given by Paul to Timothy are thought to be directives to pastors. Such an understanding is false and reveals how easily our interpretations of Scripture can be influenced by our own experiences in our traditional church structure of today. The truth is that Timothy was an apostle and not a pastor. Interesting. Who did he hang around? Who was his mentor? Paul. What was Paul's gift? You are who you hang around. That mantle would have come upon Timothy. The truth is, Timothy was an apostle, not a pastor. We know this because the first letter to the Thessalonians begins with Paul and Silvanus and Timothy to the church. Throughout this letter, the words we and us are used to refer to these three men who were working together. Then in two, two, chapter 2, verse 6, we read, Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, even though as apostles of Christ we might have asserted our authority. If the word of God tells us that Timothy was anointed as an apostle, then we should not think of him as a pastor. Confirmation of this calling can be found in 1 Timothy 1.18, where we see that Timothy was sent out through prophecy, just as Paul was earlier. Seeing this, we must recognize that First and Second Timothy are instructions for apostles and not pastors. This will change much of our understanding of the church structure. It's important to see this distinction in the roles of the apostles and pastors because we must not let our evaluations of the New Testament church be clouded by expectations based on present-day organizational structures. If we'd never in our lives experienced a modern-day church and all we had in our hands was a Bible to decide how things should function, we immediately would recognize the roles of apostles and prophets at the forefront, not pastors. And we would see God's design in a totally new light. We must take that fresh new perspective as we look in the Bible. See, that's part of the new wineskin that's coming. This is an apostolic church. And God is going to raise up gifts in the church. And people are going to be sent out. I believe that with all my heart. Amen? Amen. So, in the days ahead, I want you to, to uh, have this mindset that we're ascending church. That's why I'm excited because I, I can pick people out and, and discern there are gifts there. There, there are gifts there. I, I, I told on you, but I went to Dustin and I said... And maybe you would want to say what you told us about him up on that stage. Do you remember? Go ahead. You don't remember. I do. You said it was a good fit. Yeah. Because you discerned and recognized 
there was something there. And see, that's my job, is to discern and recognize there are gifts out here. And we're coming to that point at Harvest Church now where we're going to see that come to fruition. And see, us older ones, we need to take the younger ones. I'll, I'll be honest, I don't know how many times Kathy and I have said this, Kathy especially, how important you are to Justin. Yeah, you take him fishing and you take him out of church once in a while on a Sunday. But I said, you got to bring the preacher fish if you're catching them. But you're taking a young man that really didn't have a father. If he did, he was a lousy one. He flew the coop, I think. I don't know the story. But I've watched Justin blossom because of your influence. And see, that that's the thing. Where's Brad? Do this. Come here. Come up here and do this. This is a great illustration. Do you remember the one? Yeah. This is really good. Explain it. Yeah. Yeah, I can I can use those later. No, please, thanks. Thanks. Yeah, it's going to waste our Kleenexes. But see, I'll pick on 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 Rich and Zach and Kayla. In your business, you have to bring these people up higher. Did you have some disappoint you? Yes. Is it hard? A difficult thing to do? To train? You have to invest your time, your energy. But there, once in a while, is there one that really comes up? Uh, I went in her today, and there she was standing, the, the older woman. I think she's the manager. Right here. I don't know, the older one. She's kind of a larger. No, no. Okay. And, and she was doing something, and you weren't busy, and I had to wait. And she says, I'm sorry. I said, that's okay. I'm a regular customer. I can wait. But she's good. She's very good. And see, that's what we want to develop here, is, is pull people up higher, take people. Look at Caden. Whoever thought that kid that sat down here, squirrely Caden, 
I mean squirrely. Um, what, what did he take pills for for a while? What do you call that? Yeah. He's not taking it anymore. But he's squirrely. He's still squirrely. But he's got me to take him under wing. And I've been, I've, I'll be honest with you, I probably would have made some people cry things that I've told him. But he listens. He doesn't always get it, but he tries and he comes up higher. So you're doing something right. But see, that you, you can incorporate that at Harvest Church easily. Amen? Well, let's stand up. Let's take a few minutes and we're going to pray. You've got to understand what the, what the church is doing right now, where we're at. I talked to a, a, a Mark Elman today. We were at court for Bobby. And Bobby's going to be gone for 30 days. And uh, we need to pray for him, and we will. But Mark Alvin was talking about this church, and he and he says the way that you you know you pray and you conduct yourselves, and we speak the word. We pray the word. He says, "My wife's so impressed with the fact that you pray the word." <laughs> I thought that's what you're supposed to do. So I'm telling you, folks. You better get ready.